some 700 years before Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, the prophet Isaiah was active among God's people. At a time when the northern kingdom of Israel, after generations of unfaithfulness to God's covenant, were barreling towards exile. At a time where the southern kingdom, where descendants of David continued to reign, but with only mixed success, some being very faithful, but others also being unfaithful, and Judah looking ahead to a day where it too would fall into exile. The prophet Isaiah still spoke words of hope. It wasn't always doom and gloom. While judgment would come, while God's people would struggle and suffer because of their unfaithfulness to him. There would come a day when everything would change. In beautiful, poetic, symbolic, prophetic language, Isaiah says in chapter 65, beginning with verse 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever, in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner, a hundred years old, shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them before they call. I will answer. While they're yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You can understand why for many of us, upon reading that, our mind first goes to that hope of eternal life in God's presence when it talks about rejoicing forever, when it talks about peace with God and each other and the animals. Yet, even in that beautiful poetry of the vision, that God gave Isaiah. There's still a few comments that suggest to us this isn't yet the end as we think about it. For one thing, death is still part of the picture. And while some of the worst tragedies of stillborn babies or disease cutting a life short seem to have been cut off, there is still that picture of death being present, of sinners still being present. 
suggesting to us that the first interpretation and the application of what Isaiah saw here isn't so much one of eternity in God's presence, but instead of something else that Isaiah throughout the rest of this Old Testament book gave a great deal of attention to, that coming of the one that he would refer to as the root of Jesse, a descendant of Israel's greatest king ever, David, a man after God's own heart, but one whose coming would usher in a time of global peace and prosperity, where people from all nations would worship the one true God, and God's people would be lifted up from the trials and struggles that their own unfaithfulness had caused them to experience, and instead be able to live as God had intended, as his special ones. Whenever there's so much focus here on Jerusalem, as being the key location from which all of this would issue, it's easy to see how the coming of Jesus, a descendant of David, yet who was with God from the beginning, the one through whom God brought everything into creation, being able to be both a root and a descendant of David in that way. Jesus, the Messiah, God's anointed one, God's king, who through what he accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection, which incidentally happened in the city of Jerusalem, has made a way that we can have peace with God, that our lives can be transformed so that we have peace with each other, so that people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds can be united together by that reign of his son over the kingdom, the effects of which we can bear witness to in the 2,000 years of human history since then. Advances in medicine and in education and art and in music and justice and in law and just how we treat people. The world has changed in the most astounding ways because of what Jesus accomplished in the city of Jerusalem, because of how the good news of that has been proclaimed among the nations. And there have been so many to believe that Jesus is king, that he is the one who's reigned and living out that faith have brought so much more of God's goodness into this world as he intended. No, there are so many ways where we can see that beautiful image of the world being changed by the reign of Jesus realized in our own history. Ways that we can recognize that that prophecy from all the way in the beginning of the Bible when humanity first sinned and God foresaw the serpent being overthrown by the seed of the woman, that that serpent going about with dust as its food, as Isaiah saw it, is very much being realized, is through Jesus, evil has been overcome. Yet, evil still present. People still struggle. A great deal of sin has been committed by people that would manipulate the cause of Christ for their own personal gain. We still struggle. We still face death. Yet, we still have because we believe Jesus is that one that God's anointed to be Lord over all, because we believe he rose from the dead and that he's reigning from heaven, we also believe that one day he'll come again. And that image that Isaiah just had a glimpse of, of new heavens and a new earth, while we start to experience that now in lives where Jesus reigns, we have hope that Jesus' apostles declare, for when Jesus comes, and that beautiful picture is fully realized. 
Jesus. To just listen to what Jesus' apostle Peter would say, lifting similar language as what Isaiah used. But 700 years later, in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, where he said, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Everything has changed because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But Jesus isn't done changing everything. As his followers, he is at work in our lives right now changing us. And if we truly live as citizens of his kingdom, we're going to be changing the world around us. We're going to be hastening that coming of the day of God by bringing more of his goodness into this world, by reaching more sinners and leading them to repentance, because that is what Jesus is waiting for in his coming. But there is still a day where Jesus himself will come. He'll come unexpectedly. And all about this world that is sinful, all about this world that is subject to corruption and decay and decline, all about that will be burnt up. Everything will be exposed. It'll melt away so that all that remains will no longer be this separation between us and God as we currently know. It will no longer be this reality where even though Christianity has made the world so much better, there's still sin and there's still death. When Jesus comes, all of that will at last meet its end and all that will be will be new heavens and a new earth in which we live right with God, where we live right with each other, with we live right with the new heavens and the new earth that he's going to bring about forever. We live in that relationship that God always intended. Jesus, through his coming, through his reign now, has realized so much in terms of changing this world, but Jesus is still coming and there's more to be done. Knowing that, what sort of life should you and I be living? Should we be living our lives for those things that are going to end? Should we be living our lives for those things that work against, that don't advance Jesus' kingdom? Or should we be living in that reality that he is king, that what he wants done in this world is what truly matters most? that he has come and changed everything, and that he is coming. And everything will change forever in the best possible way. And that day, in the new heavens, in the new earth, where all is right with him, that's the day we are.